Oh, my computer crashed. Oh no, I've got a virus. Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday. 647-977-7113. ITMayday.com. Hi, this is Linda Pinizzato of the Hayes FM. You're listening to The Condo Expert. You know, today we're dealing with a lot of different issues having to do with warranty problems. You know, it's amazing. As everybody knows out there, last year there was huge issues going on with falling glass. I mean, every time you turned on the radio, that's what you heard about was falling glass and uh, other issues that are happening within condominiums. Today we're speaking actually to Bob Coffey. And he is a condo owner, and he's actually a director as well with the Condo Owners Association. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for coming. It's great. We're going to have some really interesting topics going on today. I understand, like, we we had spoken way back when about a building that you were actually aware of that had some major warranty problems. I believe it had something to do with the mortar and uh, on the bricks. The bricks didn't bond, and... You know, the typical approach is that you figure you need a lawyer to go to speak to Tarion, which was called at that time the Homeowner's Warranty or Ontario Home Warranty or OMHIP or some funny name. Anyway, I I think the problem, particularly where you mentioned all of this falling glass, is that we really need to do something about Tarion. There's not a single director of Tarion that happens to own a condo. In addition to that, you really have to wonder on whose side they are because my own view is they're on the builder's side. There's one building that I'm aware of. It cost them a million dollars to fix all of the bonding of the mortar on the bricks. They had to get scaffolding. They had to go down almost like window washers. They had to pull out all of the bricks. They had to remortar them and things like that. And I can see that happening again, particularly with what's going on in some of the construction. And so, you know, I can see where Terrian says, well, we have a limit on this, that, and the next thing. But I really think that it has to take a second look. Well, you know, when I look at uh, mortar on bricks, I mean, if you had to, depending on some of these buildings nowadays, they're like 50 stories high. I think the building you're referring to is how high would that one be? Just oh, curiosity. probably about, you know, maximum 30 stories. 30 stories. But even still, and, and this was a few years ago, was it not? Like yeah. in, in Well, in the, you know, back before condos were a big deal in downtown okay. Toronto. You know, so if it back cost... Back in the 80s and 90s. Oh, wow. So you figure, if you're talking 80s and 90s, today it's uh, 2013, if all of a sudden we had a mortar issue and brick and so oh. on with some of these condos. Mind you, a lot of them are using more glass now than they are using brick and, and uh, yeah. I guess, concrete structures. But yeah. still, uh, you know, that's an expensive uh, proposition. Yeah, if you're spending a million dollars back in those days. Yeah. I think the final amount that the previous Terrian came up with, may have covered the legal fees, you know, like $125,000, something like that. You know, and when something like that happens, you know, the key thing is, is that when you have these kind of major problems that come about with these uh, high-rise buildings, it's really hard to recover. I know that there was a property here in Mississauga, actually, many, many, many years ago, right after I started in real estate, and they had a huge problem with the underground parking. 
literally it was the same type of thing and the concrete because you know they were using combinations of concrete and plaster and everything else and and you could literally go in that underground parking and you could see it falling just mm-hmm. just coming right off of the foundation so eventually they had to redo everything and i know that there was a massive lawsuit in that one and interesting they've never recovered i i look at the maintenance fees of that building today and and they just can't recover from that kind of huge deficit of of construction materials you know interesting i was looking you mentioned the board of directors i actually took the time and i uh, i looked at who the directors were Funny enough, they have some that are labeled as corporate director. They give a name, but they don't say corporate director. So I actually went this morning. I decided to do a Sherlock Holmes thing. I went online and I typed in the names of the people that are listed on their websites. And uh, Harold Levy as a corporate director. There's uh, Sandy Ewan as a corporate director. There's another corporate director, Ms. Lee Ray and a Peter Oaks. And I found a lot of different people, of course, you know, with LinkedIn and all these different social networking uh, mechanisms we have in place nowadays. But I didn't know exactly what kind of trade or position or type of business that they're actually in. And listed on Tarion, it literally just says corporate director. But the other people that are involved in the Tarion uh, board of directors are all builders, the president or the CC. CEO of, for instance, I've got Mountain View Homes, Altera Group, Fram Building, Madame Corp, Midhaven, Sabera, and we have New Home Building Association. And then we have a couple of uh, lawyers, and one is Del Zotto Zorzi, which of course is the Tridel lawyer, and then we have Spiterian Ursulak. And we have one representative that is uh, Ms. Deborah Brown, the Director of Operations, Ministry of Government. You know, I'm I'm shocked. First of all, the Condo Owners Association should definitely be on this board of directors, without a doubt. But aside from that, doesn't that seem to be somewhat lopsided as far as protection to the homeowners? Well, I think the problem with Tarion is that it is not an independent body. And therefore, because it's not an independent body, then you really have to question the whole Condominium Act. Is it a Consumer Protection Act? Or what is it exactly? And that's something that I'm glad that the government is taking a look at the situation, but I hope they're able to take a look at it from an impartial point of view and make it completely independent. I really think it ought to be independent. If it's an insurance company, it ought to be independent. Well, that's a key thing because uh, the Ontario New Home Warranties, Tarion was actually created in 1976. The New Home Warranty Act actually did get an upgrade in December of 2009. Originally, it came out in 1990. But I'm looking here and it says the Ontario government, through the Ministry of Consumer Services, has empowered Tarion to administer and enforce the Ontario New Home Warranties Plan Act and regulations. So there's an interesting part, because if we're amending, like I, I think it should be twofold right now, if we're taking a look at the Condo Act, which of course hasn't been updated since 1998, mm-hmm. why wouldn't we also be doing a total overhaul on the Ontario New Home Warranties Plan Act and regulation at the same time? The new home warranty could be solved in a minute, and the minute is that it has to be completely independent. 
So if the government was to step forward and create that kind of mechanism, it sounds as if it would offer a lot better protection to the homeowners or the new homeowners. At least it would be independent. At the moment, I can't see it being independent. And if you take a look at our rules and regulations in the security industry, there has to be independent directors. There's no independent directors at Tarion that I can see. And that is where a big loophole would be as far as what the coverage would be as well, I would think. Well, you know, it it all depends on what they're trying to do. If they're trying to ensure up to a certain amount, then in this day and age, that certain amount, I think, is very complex because of the size of our buildings. I mean, when we're getting buildings that are 40 and 50 stories, the costs involved if something goes wrong is vastly different than whatever anybody thought when they created the home warranty in the first place. Well, that's a true point, without a doubt. The other thing is, is I mean, they don't actually receive any government funding. They're entirely funded by fees that they collect from the builder's registration, renewals, and the new home enrollments. But, you know, people are spending a lot of money to enroll in uh, the Terrell warranty. Well, the thing is that if it's insurance, okay, it's like DNO insurance. All the boards pay DNO insurance to protect the directors. And as far as I'm concerned, the amount of money that gets collected by Terrian, it's coming from the builder. It's one of the costs, you might say, of producing that particular condominium, and that the builder, in my mind, should pay for, and they're charging the customer for that expense anyway. Well, exactly. So I don't understand why. You know, it's interesting because if you take a look at this and you say, okay, fine, the fees that are collected for the builder's registration. So the builder's registered. Well, why wouldn't the builder just offer a warranty program just like when you go buy a fridge or a stove or anything else? You don't have to turn around and pay that unless you have extended warranty. Well, I'm not a lawyer, but someone really has to look at the law of what is called latent defect. And that's a defect that people can't see just going into a situation. So that could be a wall that you can't you can't see. In the automobile industry, if you have a latent warranty, usually the automobile manufacturer will take care of the problem. But that doesn't seem to be the situation in construction. And I, I would think, uh, as I said, I'm not a lawyer, but I would think that the law of a latent defect is something that maybe the government ought to take a look at. Well, I think it will provide an awful lot more coverage because right now the warranty coverage is really only one year, two years, and then it jumps all the way to seven years. So the question is, is that when you're talking about an $80 million condo building, how on earth can those board of directors or, or even the performance audit or anything be able to identify all of the warranties that could come to play between that uh, second year and the seventh year? It's a difficult task the same way it's a difficult task for getting an update as to what you need in your reserve fund. It's the same type of of problem because you get results from what you inspect, not from what you expect. So there has to be the appropriate inspection routine in order to ensure that 
consumers are protected. Exactly. Well, you're listening to Linda Pinizzato of The Condo Expert on the Hayes FM. We're going to talk a little bit more about tarry-on warranties, the one- and two-year warranty, and what exactly is covered. We'll be right back. Oh, my computer crashed. Oh, no, I've got a virus. Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday, 647-977-7113, itmayday.com. Get up, stand up, stand up for your rights. Get up, stand up. So remember, contact coaontario.com. We have a wonderful website. If you're in Toronto, you can go coatoronto.com. This is Linda Pinizzato of the Hayes FM. You're listening to The Condo Expert. And let us hear your comments. We want to help. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your rights. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. 